Brando. Jamesy. Hey, you got uh you have a perfect dive. Do I have a perfect Not one dive? not one you've done. Are you, are, yeah. Is there a dive like in your imagination like your the, the perfect dive that you you just you're longing to make or right maybe you hope you don't even ever make because you know then then you have it, you know what I mean? No, I don't. I I'm probably the wrong person to ask that. I I don't I don't think I dive for the same reasons a lot of people do. Okay, you know, everybody, we'll be right back. I'm going to call somebody else. <laughs> I need somebody. We'll see you next week. Brando. I just shut down your your segue into the intro. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I mean, do you have a perfect dive? I tell you, I tell you what. After uh, you know this winter, I tell you the water's the water's, <laughs> I just the water's 40. not 40. <laughs> right. The water's way way above thirty degrees. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. Get it. it doesn't take much to make you know improve upon as far as the temperature goes. That was although I mean you look at that and that kind of was a perfect dive in many respects. I mean it. As far as going in for photography, to get a very unique shot and to have a unique experience and and you know an adventure almost, it's not an expedition, no. But it's a lot when you get a lot of people that haven't done it. There's a lot of uh, components to it that are like you know teamwork and overcoming the weather with the equipment and you're and sticking to itness kind of thing. Uh, but so you have that aspect, and then you have the dive, which was the dive is really spectacular. If you can get rid of that cold and discomfort from the cold, look at I mean beautiful right, yeah, vis, yeah, for sure. Stellar lighting. I mean the lighting, just the 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 view, and and being down there and looking at it was there's a near perfection to that as far as man. I, those. So I guess what you would say is for me that's a dive that's perfect in the sense of it. Checks a lot of boxes off that I look for in diving because we dive mud holes. That's what right, I'm used yeah, to, yeah. right? I mean, uh, being on like a big shipwreck, right, in the Great Lakes that has all of that relief where you know your the deck is twenty, thirty feet above the bottom. I mean, and I remember being up in uh, Thunder Bay area and had like a magical afternoon dive where the sun was, yeah. there was like no wind. So the sun was just penetrating down to nearly a hundred feet of water. You could still see those sun rays coming through and just off in the distance, you could see a whole bunch of fish cruising by. Yeah. And I've been on, I've been on dives where you know, we've had like a school of whitefish come through out in the Great Lakes, right, which is right. rare for people who've never dove the Great Lakes. You generally don't dive the Great Lakes cause you're going to see, a bunch of marine life so i guess that would make a perfect dive to have all of that together you know the beautiful visibility mm-hmm. the clear blue water the golden god rays coming down the the huge shipwreck a diver in relief uh, to, 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 to visualize the size and like a big school of uh like white fish coming through like that would make a pretty perfect great lakes dive to have all oh and have the camera ready to go at the same time the camera to, to bring it functions back. like a, an extension of your mind and body and soul and it just creates everything you want I, and then there's the other aspect of perfection which is the execution of the dive 
where right, the team yeah. just flows and the equip there's no equipment issues because you maintained it everything's right where you you know those kind of things play into perfection and that doesn't mean you can't have a perfect dive with a few little snafus if you handle them perfect you know perfectly to me that's perfect diving so, oh yeah for sure yeah. because things things come up all the time right uh i mean that's something that should be taught in education more it's it's not that you need to learn to dive so that you never have to clear your mask <laughs> right it's yeah. it should be you know you learn to dive so that you can easily handle a mask clear and if you can't get a mask cleared on the first try it's not a big deal yeah, you know not... uh, you just you take another breath and finish the job off fluid seamlessly without freaking out that you didn't get it done on the first one you know like mm -hmm. that's that's doing it perfectly but yeah, you don't have a near-death experience when you you get a little water in your mask or in your regulator. Uh, but I like how you said about the execution, and, yeah. I, and I think that's one of the things that you and I enjoy about getting to get down to Florida and do some cave dives now and again. Is you know there you get a little bit more of a of a mission of like okay, you look at the map and we want to mm -hmm. go here. We we would like to do this. Well, it's like you're in special ops, man. So it's yeah, like and then you get a couple of you get a couple of people in the water with you, and and that that team execution all goes, and everybody, you know, makes the jumps and gets to where you want to go, and it all and, and everybody gets back out nice and clean. That that is another level of perfection that you don't hear a lot of people mm -hmm. really talk about because everybody's expecting the, you know, it's the pristine reef, yeah, it's the perfect the whale wall, shark, yeah. yeah, the whale shark at the during the safety right. stop, it's... yeah, yeah. Again, that, so I guess that's ultimately what I'm getting at, this idea of, perf of the perfect dive. And, I'm, I mean, I get that question a lot. What is your favorite dive? What was the, what's the idea of perfect dive? I know it almost, it, it almost I, I don't want to say it irritates me anymore, well, but it's one of the most frustrating questions. I think it's a, uh, it's a one, a, a myopic viewpoint if you it, will, it totally of is. diving when you, when you think of that. And most of the time it's coming from people that don't dive or if they do dive, they're quote unquote certified divers. They're not, and I hate, you know, to separate this kind of thing. It's, I sound like a, I'm a divist. I'm a divist. I haven't admitted I'm trying to, you are totally <laughs> divist. I mean, but there's, there's certified divers. You've got your, and you're wearing, divers. you're wearing your red make diving great again hat this morning. I see. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't 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 put me in a group like that. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to it than just saying, "Oh, pretty fish, beautiful coral, beautiful day, calm water," and, and I live through the dive. There's way more to the idea oh, of a yeah, perfect yeah. dive. Yeah, I I know it, and I anymore. I I answer with. I don't know. I mean, I've got favorite dives in the Great Lakes. I've got favorite dives in the oceans. I've got favorite dives, you know, in Lake Charlevoix. Little, yeah, in Lake, in yeah, in, in the lakes. I've got got so many. I guess it's kind of like saying, "What's your favorite, you know, band?" What's your favorite kid? You know, it depends. I have four kids, and they ask, who's your favorite kid? <laughs> I, and I say the one I'm talking to at the time. Not that one right there, that <laughs> son of a bitch. You've already always been my favorite. I think I've told them all that. So, well, I've got a story. By a Nancy Sefton. A Nancy Sefton or the Nancy Sefton? The Nancy Sefton. Nancy. She's, a, she's another Nogi Award winner. She's Nogis. in uh, the Woman Divers Hall of Fame. We're, let's let's start right now and just start calling it Nogi. 
a noogie award, okay? Or she got the noogie. We give out the noogie. We start giving out the noogie. Oh, I like that <laughs> from the Great Dive Podcast. If we could do this, we we could we could present the noogie awards like right after the noogie awards, and the oh, noogie would be for like uh, some kind of goofiness in the diving, <laughs> you know? Right, right. That face plant you did while trying to do a giant stride. <laughs> You win a noogie you award. Your, you, you had your 36-inch high-pressure hose council get hooked mm. up on the cleat of the boat. Yeah. When you, uh, tree, yeah, this yeah. year's nominees are <laughs> Bill for <laughs> All Great Ideas. The Reef of Dreams was this article that she wrote. If you build it, they will in, come, right? Back in 1997, if you... If you dream it, and that's what this is uh, a little bit about imagination, and, and it's a little bit about protection of our wonderful underwater dive sites. As, by the way, we are coming close to Earth Day here in, in about a month. We should give people a shout-out of uh, coming to join us again for another dive into Earth Day event that we're going to do up in our wonderful National Marine Sanctuary here in Michigan, up in uh, Alpena. Partnership with Great Lakes Great Responsibility, who I just got elected to the board on, by the way. Congratulations, Jamesy. That's, uh, that is awesome. I'm, I'm digging it. You know, it's, uh, as soon as I got introduced to Meg and saw what she was doing, yeah. I, was, I said that. I'd, I'd love to be part of this organization because it's, nice. it's, just, it's just out doing good stuff. Yeah. You know, it's doing what people neglect to do and, and showing that, uh, you know, if, if you care. Anyway. The surfer, Brando, dreams of the perfect wave. He does. The skier hungers for that endless downhill run. The fisherman lusts for the world record catch. And divers dream, too. Do they? Like you. I know. Actually, I know what your dream dive is. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh-oh. I, I already know this. <laughs> your, your dream dive is uh, it's a it's a short drive because you hate long drives to dive sites. So it's, 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 you're gonna drive out to like a one local Union Lake. You're gonna you're gonna get in Union Lake, um, and th- there's a cave in Union Lake that connects a bunch of people don't know about that. So you're gonna go to this mysterious cave and you're gonna have a sweet cave dive, and then that cave dive comes out on this awesome old <laughs> fully intact schooner with with masts wow. still sticking up. You've heard this and you one get before, these awesome yes. shots and, and then uh, like that's your that is your dream dive right there. You've heard that that uh, idea before, yes. That's one of that's a recurring idea like about every third time we get together and we're having a few cocktails and start talking about what are we going to do? What's what's next? Which is where the dive ends. We, right. You surface. Mm-hmm. You're at a uh, waterside pub that's on the lake. You know where I'd like to surface, really, is there's some, uh, like, beachside taco joints, like in Cozumel. or I'm sure they have other places. I just remember oh, Cozumel, yeah, yeah. you know, street... I want to call them street tacos. They're really beach tacos, aren't they? But yeah, they're there yeah. on the beach. Fantastic. Did I ever tell you about surfacing in the Mediterranean on a resort beach? You did. The, With and, topless women. And the top, I'm like, where am I? <laughs> I it's and, called it's called paradise. And they were all like, 
you know, you come out of the water, uh, out of the blue, and with all you your gear did, on. You it. had, you actually it's had died Bond on that movie. time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when you when you woke up, two big Greek men were giving you CPR. Perfect. <laughs> Christos and uh, Nick Nicholas. Yeah. For most of us, that perfect dive site remains elusive. Nancy says, "A phantom reef or Disney-esque proportions to be imagined, never experienced." One's reef of dreams may be highly dramatic, worthy of a Benchley saga. A sea churning with hammerheads and manta rays, a whale shark center stage, all of them benign, friendly, and eager to be fondled and photographed. Fondled? Uh, Nancy, What's Nancy, going on down there? <laughs> Nancy was a little kinky back in the day. Huh? She's, uh, yeah. The perfect reef, she says, is less frenzied like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle slowly creeping together. It began to form in my dream soon after I was certified. First and foremost, it is a reef without a name. So nobody knows of it. Nobody knows of it. And, and, and like she, she mentions here, you know, it's like that diver's dream of being somewhere being and, and getting it named after you, yeah. you know? Well, you remember Scotty Lang. He used to always want, like, a diving piece of equipment or technique named after him. Like Hogarth, you know, he was always talking about William Hogarth Maine and the Hogarthian method. And we did finally get a pulling a lang, but I get it. I get like you <laughs> yeah, want a reef, yeah. you want something named after you. You want to leave something behind. Right. Yeah. You just don't want it to be what pulling a lang <laughs> is. Pulling a lang is, <laughs> yes. Well, he 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 did get his wish. <laughs> we divers are an odd lot, she says. We plunge into the sea to tame the untamable, embrace the unembraceable, and in our zeal to leave our imprint, we bestow somewhat frivolous names upon coral reefs that have lain unnamed for eons. Jim's Jump Off, Penny's Place, Hole in the Wall, Randy's Gazebo. For some, those names have begun to carry an ominous ring. The sound of endless bubble streams, daily visits by dive boats. Too many of these popular reefs now bear an imprint of humankind beyond the name and the fish that beg for handouts. Fucking good for nothing fish. Get a job. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's like the interesting paradox. Okay. So once you find a reef that no one's ever seen, well, now you've ruined it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So you, you and your selfishness, you want to find that reef that nobody's seen. But once you've seen it, nobody else can do that anymore. You've ruined it for everyone. I hope you're happy. Your dream dive has become a nightmare. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm stretching it. But, but yeah, what I'm getting at is... If you want those reefs to maintain their pristinity, <laughs> if there's such a word, you can't see it either. So it's a paradox. It is. It is. I mean, you, you enter it, you're going to somehow leave a mark. You're going to affect the environment. You can't, you can't help it. The idea is to do as minimal effect as possible, right? Right. It is a paradox. And so you kind of got to throw that idea out like, oh, we just can't touch anything. Well, 
I got some news. We're in this world. <laughs> We're here. We are going to affect it. The idea, though, I think we should aim for is to affect it either in a positive way or as minimal destruction or minimal damage as possible. And and no, you know, blatant yeah. destruction. Well, and then people blame I mean, it. Inter- I was going to say people blame it a lot on their, you know, ah, it's just how I'm a diver and that's how I swim around and that's just how it's going to be. Ha ha ha, I have bad buoyancy and then they laugh about it. Right, uh, that's the way it is. I got a sweet shot. Yeah, exactly. Right. Look at all these beautiful, crystal clear, magical images <laughs> I, I have. <laughs> and nobody uh, else don't, does. Don't look at don't look at the video of the guy behind me though, because uh, mm. that is a nightmare. Yes, that is a horror show. Right, like like you don't want to be that guy. Exactly. Exactly. So my dream reef, she says, is nameless and pristine. Here, invertebrate creatures dressed in mind-boggling colors are crammed together so tightly that there is not a single square inch of vacant space. Shimmering above this throbbing carpet of living tissue are schools of fish in silhouette, all sizes, swelling and contracting, a montage of black etchings on a blue canvas. Like Quixote, I had searched, but as a realist, I'd been content to simply dream on. And yet last year, quite without warning, I found my perfect reef. Awakening early, I stumbled out to the stern of our liveaboard. I only knew that we were somewhere in the Banda Sea, in the eastern reaches of the Indonesian archipelago. It was a windless day, but our ship strained at anchor. The surface current creating an awesome white wake behind the stationary vessel. These were hostile waters. I toyed with the idea of sunbathing on deck instead. But in the end, I dove. Our inflatable carried us to the base of a tall granite finger thrust from the deep, pointing accusingly heavenward. We circled the rock slowly as our Indonesian boatman tried to assess the rushing waters, his frown mirroring on my own concern. The current literally boiled around the pinnacle as if angered by this impediment to its single-minded course. At last, the boatman gestured, Here! One by one, we rolled backward. I braced myself for evasive action, if any were possible against the currents as I turned over to open my eyes on the underwater scene. What I saw left me stunned. The unexpected had happened. I knew in that moment that my dream reef was real. I guess I remember going up to dive on the Puabic. Yeah. Up in Lake Huron. Not so much that it was a dream dive, but, you know, we had talked about it for so long. That actually getting down to it was it was kind of like that. It was kind of like that realization of, yeah, it is real. It's here. It's right there in front of my eyes. And, and again, that was such a, a magical day that in over 150 feet of water on the, on that particular day that you know the sunlight was clear as could be, yeah. like we were in 20 feet of water. You know, it was just magical. Yeah, I've been on those dives. It's awesome. It's uh, but if every dive were like that, you. I doubt you'd appreciate it as much, right? I think you're right. So you, yeah, for sure. You've got to have that contrast. You've got to have the the crappy little dives, the, the mud hole dives that 
maybe don't go as as you'd like them or you get in and it's kind of milky viz and photos won't work so when you do get it you're like yes you appreciate it yeah it's that give and take that you gotta have I i think so many people that you know i'm gonna maybe come off a bit crass here but i think so many people that all they do are the the big trips the perfect dives they miss out a lot on the the big what I would consider just the magic of underwater, right? right? When when uh, you and I can do what so many would people would just turn around and go, nah, no thanks, <laughs> right? But we can come out of the water having a great dive, yeah, yeah. You know, the, like being able to make that happen and make something good and and shareable out of out of something so mundane to so many people. I agree, makes those really good dives all the better. Right. I, that's exactly what I'm, I would, I'm going at is it's hard to say what the perfect dive is. So. Nancy says that so many words have been spent on so many reefs and so many publications that the images tend to run together, creating a visual soup of exotic fish and electric colors. The writer in me chomps at the bit to verbalize my affinity for this site. In the final analysis, I cannot. I'm home now, and so remote is that raw pinnacle that I may never return. Neither will many others, at least in the foreseeable future. And in this, without apology, I have found my peace. If fortune smiles, my reef will remain forever nameless. To paraphrase the late naturalist John Muir, man, by his very presence, destroys what he comes to see. Damn straight. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so I, I really like uh, paddle Nancy on the back here. I mean, this is th- this is beautifully written and said. Yeah. Like this dive was so good, I I, I don't even want to write about. it. I can't write about it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's it's mine and it's nameless and it's forever there and it's only mine. Yes, I mean, and it, the the way she writes it, like I'm going to appreciate that just as much as her saying, you know, how well she could have described it. Right. I uh, I think you you hit something right there because that to me is kind of maybe with the per- the idea of a perfect dive is yeah, it's yours. No, you don't share it, <laughs> maybe. Uh, you don't. You don't open it up to public destruction. I guess, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Yeah. You know, when I was in Cocos Island many years ago, I had a guy from the UK was on the boat, and I had just gotten a video camera that I was playing around with. You know, so excited to, to shoot some video, and I had asked him. Because he had nothing, no camera. I'm like, you come all this way, you know, from the UK to to this dumpy little port of Punta Arenas in, in Costa Rica to to get on a boat for 36 hours to to get out to this island, literally in the middle of nowhere, and no camera, no video, no nothing to come back. And, and that was his statement was. Uh, uh, these are all just for me. Yeah, it's just the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I get that 100%. She says, studies undertaken in the Florida Keys, Pennycamp Park, have cast aside all doubt about the effects of heavy diver traffic on fragile corals. 
it matters not that we are well-meaning, that we have come to admire not to do harm. Our anchors smash fragile coral colonies. We stand upon, sideswipe, and touch the corals, at least removing the protecting mucus layer that guards against smothering sediments. Overweighted, we plow through the reefs, dragging our heavy counsels. Our flippers pound relentlessly against delicate reef formations. We photographers, eager to get that prized picture, become too intimate with our subjects. The sport of scuba diving is growing at an unprecedented rate. Our favorite reefs are sustaining more and more human traffic. Today, some reef sites are closed to diving, allowing them to heal. Coral growth is measured in centimeters per year. How patient are we? I don't know. You know, it's, it's yeah, so, I mean, even, even the, the cleanest diver swimming mm-hmm. above a reef, you know, creating that action that, that pulls away that surfactanty mucus on those on those corals is yeah is gonna have an effect and you know so many people still want to just touch with their human finger you know the human marine life to say that they've really experienced it (laughs) that you know that times thousands of divers a day you know takes its toll and we just heard you know recently you know of Cozumel shutting down it all goes back to what you're taught, and if and if no one goes and examines a the way we're taught and b the common our common practices and how to how to change that. I mean, you can look at a group going down on the coral reef to to explore it, especially especially in like the eighties nineties. You would just you could tell they were just there. After if you came and that boat had had picked up its divers and left and you came, you know, 10 minutes after they were gone and dropped down on that reef, you'd go, what in the actual fuck came through here? You know, but people just got used to it. And then thankfully, I guess there was enough reef that they could just move over or. Right. Yeah. And for, for so long, the, just the standard protocol for taking a photograph underwater was get negatively buoyant, plant yourself into the bottom, you know, on one knee and one foot. Oh, and, yeah. And and just, like, you've just staked your claim to that area, and you're going to get that, that photo. Yeah, I mean... And that's the that was the damage that had to occur in order to get the magazine cover shot, in order to, to be on the cover of the catalog. That was the casualty of war. Well, that was what was taught as well. I mean, that was taught. I When I took my instructor course, I took a... I wanted to be able to sort of... You know, so get into the underwater videography. So I took immediately, I took a uh, underwater videography instructor specialty at the um, at the place I was taking my instructor course down in Florida. That's what they preached in the class. Get, get on your knees, anchor yourself, put your leg around a coral, a uh, hunk of coral, right? And, and anchor yourself so you get steady footage. Right. Sit, yeah. Straddle. <laughs> You know, like it's a yeah. horse, the rail of the shipwreck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? yeah. So that you can stay still to get the shot yeah. right, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's you know, for so long, diving was just part of the, you know, the, the medium that you were using 
to be a photographer or a videographer, but it was taught the same way land photography was in the essence of you need a tripod, you need a stable base negative on the ground, and that's where everything took place. Whereas we've entered a world, especially over the last couple of decades, you know, that you and I have made a big push to bring to the people of your stable base needs to be three-dimensional neutral buoyancy first and foremost, and then you do your camera work. Right. That's because you're a diver first. You're, you are a diver first and a photographer or videographer second. Right. That's a, that's a huge change in perspective. Mm. That, that, that needs Absolutely. to become more, more realized, right? I mean, underwater, regardless of what you're doing, you're diving first, and it's good diving practice. It's good diving habits. Absolutely. Then there's the camera. Right. Absolutely. I mean, they went so far as to, you know, say, overweight yourself a little so you can be stable on the bottom, which is, you know, in commercial school, you're overweighted because you need the leverage to work. You know, if you've ever tried to, uh, you know, turn a, a nut on a giant bolt, right, where the wrench you're using is about two feet long and weighs, you know, underwater weighs 50 pounds. Right. So you've got to move this gigantic nut on a gigantic bolt. And it, if you're trying to swim it, that ain't going anywhere. And if you're just in the water, a neutrally buoyant, and you pull or push on the, on the wrench handle, you're going to move. The, the nut doesn't move. So, right. Even, if, even uh, if it's barely on. Yes. You're, you're not, <laughs> right. the, the, yeah. the resistance is going to be on you. Yeah. Right. Right. You're not going to get any yeah, traction with that. So. In commercial school, as it should be, you're overweighted. You have to have a leverage point. You have to be able to uh, move tools and move uh, equipment that you're working on. So that's one aspect. That's one thing. And it's completely different. I mean. Yeah, but but when your work is, you know, trying to get a couple of pictures uh, while you're on holiday in the Caribbean. Yeah, you're not a commercial diver. You're yeah, not you're not a commercial diver. diver. And, and taking that mentality of, oh, the best way to get the shot of the frogfish is to yeah. dump the gas out of your BCD to become more negative so you're stable on the bottom, right? That thinking, luckily, you know, today in 2022, we're, we've been working hard to eradicate that mentality from the species of diver out there. Yeah, it has to start at the very bottom, though. It has to start from day one is the thing. You know, we talk about that primacy and teaching, and, and it's so true. I mean, primacy is such a huge factor when you're teaching people. You can see where they struggle when you're introducing them to something that they haven't seen before. And they struggle in the, in the area where <laughs> the, their main teaching, their, their first primary teaching has implanted such a a deep imprint on them, has put such a deep imprint in their brain that they fall back on it all the time. And it actually works against them learning, hey, you're in control of your buoyancy all the time. It works against that. It works against the neutral, flat, proper trim. When fundamentally in the deep recesses of your brain, when you think about something other than diving, right, because it's the way you first learned to do a new task was negatively buoyant on your knees. When you start struggling with those camera settings yeah. and, and your, your attention you go. goes to the camera settings, it's only natural. I mean, it's only human 
you know, evolution in nature for you to fall to that place of comfort, which is going to be that negatively buoyant, stable on the bottom so that you can think about what you're doing. Right. That's a fundamental flaw in what you just said of that that primacy law of how you first learn to do something. You know, and we ran that um, that photography workshop last year. I mean, you could see that in our students. We had and we had two types of students there. We had kind of a newer a newer diver and we had an older diver, but both of them, both of those divers struggled with maintaining buoyancy, you know, just maintaining their position in the water. And then you really saw the struggle, like you say, when they had to change a setting on the camera or look at the camera, take their focus off of maintaining their buoyancy. So, if you're if you're going to go underwater and take video, you know, photos, you should be a, a competent diver first. Yeah, because okay. you've got a responsibility to minimize that impact. There you go. That, I mean, that's just that's my point of view. I'm not, you know, I'm not a dictator. So, Nancy says here. She says, "Imagine this, Brando. You arrive at a dive destination, cameras loaded, dive bags in hand." ready to board the boat for that site you've read and heard so much about. Sorry, says the dive guide, but Celebrity <laughs> Reef is closed to divers for the next two years. But we got a couple of new sites for you to try. Fucking Celebrity Reef is closed? You God believe that shit? It. J-Lo, J-Lo Reef. J-Lo is supposed to be here. <laughs> this is Celebrity Reef, goddammit. I heard Paris Hilton was here last week. <laughs> I mean, we've built an industry around travel to these like big name destinations like doing the big name dive site right i mean the whole industry you know from you know really from you know the the 70s on travel had become like this this gateway for learning to dive and and, like she describes earlier with like naming these dive sites like Jim's Jump Off and Penny's Place and Hole in the Wall and Randy's Gazebo and earlier that creates this attraction all around the economics of learning to dive so you can travel to dive so you can see these big name reefs only to show up and find that they're so beaten to shit that you can't dive it anyways. Like, yeah, where do you reexamine the whole idea? Well, because we've built a business model that shoots itself in the foot. And when I say we, I mean the the scuba industry. The The model they're using shoots itself in the foot. When you haven't seen past the nose on your face as far as the aging industry, a self-sustaining industry, you're working against yourself. You're destroying the very attractions that you're, you want the, the people you're creating to go see. You're destroying them with the people you've created. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, this is the thing that that I think of, you know, when I get into the water and, and I challenge and ask everybody out there that's listening, you know, <laughs> let us know what your perspective. But I look at that very thing of as badly as I want to get a cool shot or, or no matter what awesome, amazing critter I see along the way on the dive, I f- what comes to my mind first isn't at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> I got to have a picture. Of this I will get this picture. That's just not how my brain works, and I hope that there's more people today that are thinking that way as well, right? Because I mean, I mean, how how do you dive out there, people? How do you how do you approach the situation? And you know, Nancy says that very thing. She says, "How will you react?" 
your acceptance, your understanding, and your support could determine the future of the coral reefs. Well, she's absolutely right. If if you are of the mindset right now calling us scuba Nazis for asking the mainstream industry, the mainstream diving education industry, to change their way of thinking and and revamp the classes so they produce someone in control of their buoyancy and trim and aware of where their fins are going. That's all we're, I think that's all we're asking. I'm not and I think we've been asking this for for decades and it has improved. I don't like to be all negative all the time. Wait, I do. I do like to be negative. <laughs> There's a lot of people when we start talking like this, you're scuba Nazis because you think everybody should swim around in control of their buoyancy and trim and and uh, be able to propel themselves through the water without destroying, you know, leaving in their wake a, a path of destruction, of of incompetency. That's all. It's incompetency. And I think somebody like, you know, Nancy here, I mean, here she was decades ago. Yeah. Realizing this, the same very thing, too, is like, I mean, where are we going to be in 2022 is, is you know, what, what's going on in her head? You know, when, uh, when our favorite dive sites, you know, in the late 90s, are getting shut down because they're being beaten up and abused. You know what? I don't think you're going to find anyone out there that will would argue with us that we have to protect the reefs. Where you find the pushback is when we say it's going to take work and sacrifice you from you. <laughs> then you get the pushback. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, I have to get rid of my spliffins? <laughs> Wait, I have to learn, uh, you know, a, a good technique? I and Right. You know, I know we beat the shit out of split fins, and and we should probably say we're not really. It's not the split fin that we're really You're horridly right. against. It's the decision for the split fin, and it's the people that usually use them are lacking in in an, a proper propulsion technique. So the split fin is a crutch. That's all. Yes. Yep. 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 It it is. It, it's a it's a handicap fin that. Does exactly what it's designed to do. It's easy to kick. It helps you move yeah. when you have what what most people who are woke would call terrible <laughs> technique. <laughs> would call terrible technique. Woke. You know, it allows you to, to to still be able to move forward. So, I mean, I get every, but you're right. It like what it has produced was a complacency in education and technique and. And really learning your craft and your tools, you know, that's the the biggest problem with them over the twenty well, years. It's a business model. You can minimize the effect. I, I hate. I really don't like that. Um, like, w- just by our very presence, everything becomes worse. That's not true. That's not true. We can leave it better than we lo- than we came in. We can improve upon Mother Nature's destruction, but we do affect it, and it all depends on our. What we, how we want to affect it. Yeah, you, you had said that earlier. Yeah, I know. I'm just you like, said, you know, I, I say you, the same things. If you listen to all uh, 258, 257 episodes, I say the exact same thing in a different tone of yelling and get off my lawn stature. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's but the character you, I'm playing. I'm Walter Matthau, I drink a lot. <laughs> I yell at kids. I hate people. I'm crabby. <laughs> I'm Walter Matthau and the Bad News Bears. But you had said you we all we always interact, right? We, we have to ch- we have to choose 
to interact in a positive way, not a negative way. Well, and in, in the, at, at the very least negative way, right? To do the very minimal of damage at the very least. And, and at the best, we leave the place better than we, we found it. I think the first frame of reference you would have, you know, if you're going to enter the water with that mentality is you always assume that you're not that good, right? I'm not that good, right? Right. So I am going to be diligent first and foremost on every dive that I'm doing, that I'm as clean as I can be in the water, that I'm as aware as I can be in the water. I'm never just going to assume that everything's going to be perfect. Well, never assume, you know. You know what assume is, right? Assume yeah, yeah. And the, 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 the mere fact of just getting in the water and interacting with the underwater world, thinking that everything that you're doing is going to be A-OK and not challenging yourself on every time in the water is going to lead to further just nonchalant, accidental harm. That we're, what we're trying to say, I think what Nancy was trying to say is you got to be aware of that stuff. Right. You know, she, she says and closes out her article by saying, in the meantime, somewhere lost in the band of sea is a coral blanketed pinnacle that has my heart and soul. Were I to return, my presence would no doubt leave the reef a little the worse for wear, as virgin as it is. And so I will take pleasure simply in knowing that it is there. Now, so she... I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, contrast her philosophy, if you call it a philosophy, her ideals versus. I want to get rich off of scuba diving. Person, I'm going to open a dive shop out here, right? And I'm going to bring. I'm going to certify thousands of divers, sell them a gear, and bring them all out here because this place is so beautiful. It will attract all these people. Never. I don't even think the thought is putting is going on in that person's head that, yeah, those thousands of people that you turn through your, your scuba classes are going to destroy it just because of the way you turn them out through the scuba classes. Right, and I think even Nancy was, was saying a little bit of that back in, the, back in the late 90s. Yeah, but I'm just contrasting her thought, which is, this is so beautiful, I can't share it with anybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> the other one wants right. to share it with everybody, and not because it's... Be- it's beautiful, but because they can make a profit on it. One wants to keep it from everybody because they know that all those people it is. will destroy the beauty, right? It's, that's the, and that's the paradox that we were talking about earlier, right? You, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is a paradox. But there's got to be a middle ground. Come and see it. Just don't destroy it. And I think that's what the Great Dive Podcast has been trying to bring to the people God for 200 and nearly 60 shows. It, it's, you know, sometimes, sure, it may come across a bit crass of, like, nobody's got the talent, nobody's got the ability to even uh, be in the water. But I don't think that's at the heart of what we're saying at all. I think we're trying to blend that, that very paradox we're talking about is how do we find that happy ground to leave the smallest impact, to enjoy it in the most healthy way for not only for us and our dive buddies that we're in the water with, but for the people that are coming tomorrow and the, the people that are coming next year, next decade. Yeah. I mean, James, this this little episode actually encompasses the very few things that we are really saying when we get on and yap about scuba diving and the, the condition of the industry 
and education community. It, it amplifies it and kind of illustrates it in the sense of, oh, we're not saying like you've got to be this super talented diver. That's not what we're saying at all. And we're not saying we're, we're so great at it. That's definitely not what we're saying. What we are saying is there is a better way. It takes more time and more commitment. And, and how do you affect the change in that community? You have to f- start with the instructors. You have to have good instructors. That is, is the, the essence of what we've been saying for, for all these shows. I like I like what you just said there about <laughs> this is our show a, a couple of the main points in a nutshell no doubt mm-hmm. about it I mean this this everything kind of comes into to play in this article from 1997 right of like we've been doing this our whole lives continuously like our the majority of our lives not though for a couple of years yeah. did something else for decades getting back into it like it, it's been the mainstay of what we've done so yeah we're, we're passionate about it and it, and it comes through and when when you take the time to to look back at editorials that have been written for decades yeah on the leading publications in this industry that didn't really know where we were going to be in 2022 but are all kind of saying the same thing all along for years and years and years and years but the the industry still took it in the way of focusing just on the dollars just on the growth rather than what nancy was telling us here in 1997 of hey we're we're shoot like you said we're shooting ourselves in the foot you know we're we're, mm-hmm. we're shooting ourselves in the fin like, we're, you know where you know what is going to be with a spear be, gun no less you know, with a, yes <laughs> and then w- when you get to you know what is that perfect dive can you describe that perfect dive and when you've done so many you know descriptions of perfect dives would you still describe it or would you just keep it for yourself if you actually found it that's True. a that's a interesting moral philosophical discussion that I, I think we are bringing back to the people these philosophical discussions that a lot of people are just afraid to even talk about. They're afraid. They're afraid. I mean, and also I do want to I do want to point out. I, I think the uh, the magazines that were putting out all these articles that are basically saying every, I mean that that's what we do on the show, right? We get a, we get some old articles a lot of time times and uh they're old (laughs) they're old old they're like the beginning from the beginning of scuba diving period you know and then they come into the middle and it's heyday and they all start you know singing this tune of we gotta we gotta be aware of destroying the reefs and destroying the underwater environment and the the animal life and the flora and fauna and we gotta protect it right they all sing that same tune and i I think if you ask them, it's like, hey, well, why? I mean, every article kind of alludes to the piss poor divemanship, right? Oh, it, no, that's not it. No, that's, <laughs> that's not, not it. it. <laughs> well, I think it does. And I think they would say, well, that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to change the diving community to make them better via these these articles, via the stories. And hopefully it's spreading information like, hey, you need to be better. But that what they're doing is throwing the responsibility onto the diver themselves where I think the responsibility lies almost, I mean, it does lie on every diver. There's a portion of it, but the main thrust of that responsibility falls on the education community, the training community. 
Well, I, I, I think uh, that's what got us to where we are. And exactly. I, I think uh, you and I are leading a quest from the, the grassroots. We're Don Quixotes. Uh, we're changing it. We're the Don Quixotes. We're the Don Quixotes. We're, we're charging at underwater windmills. If you will, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, literally sometimes with those, with those split flins a flapping, yes. sometimes you're literally represented by split fins. Yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, hey, that is the reef of dreams. Protection if you build it, they will come. Through, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> Protection through imagination, uh, Nancy Sefton. This is from uh, one of Diving's, you know, you know, back in the day, this was one of my favorite magazines, Scuba Times. It was the Active Divers magazine back well, in the well, uh, late, 90s. late 90s. I was going to say the nice thing about Scuba Times was it appealed to recreational, and there was always a technical part. They always had a, a, a decent technical uh, viewpoint as well. They didn't completely ignore tech diving you know they had a whole section in the magazine right. that was like a sub a sub magazine called the advanced diving journal right inside of scuba times it was, that, uh, wasn't that fred garth or something like that am i right or no tom morrissey was one of, he was tom, one of the he big, was on uh, it too yeah yeah, yeah he was that. uh he was one of the you know, local great lakes guy you know that was in there but yeah hey people um let us know what is your perfect dive can you describe your perfect dive would you want to would you want to let the people know if you came across that perfect dive where it is, or would you keep it all to yourself and uh, just keep it in a memory and never return? Interesting, never interesting return. discussion. Well, Brando, should we sign some logbooks? Yeah, I was right about Fred Garth. Dear Jamesy, you kind of glossed over my Fred Garth with your uh, Tom Morrissey. <laughs> is it Tom Morrissey? Yeah. Fred Garth, I was right. The old noggin still has a little few brain cells left in it let me sign your logbook here brando it's uh sucks we couldn't dive celebrity reef today i was i brought my camera to get a picture i was, of I was hoping i was hoping the kardashians were gonna be out today all right everybody we'll talk to you next week safe diving Blah, blah, blah.